So let's pray and ask God to help us uh, tonight to get through, right? And then uh, as well to get something from God's word. Uh, Father, we are very grateful that uh, uh, you give us instruction and that all around us in, in all aspects of life, in every place of life, there are things to be learned. There's instruction that you want us to glean from some to follow and some to reject. And I pray that we'd be wise in that, that we would not reject the instruction of life, but that we would be open to it and allow it to change us, that we might bring honor and glory to your name. So touch our hearts once again with this truth. Make it clear to us, and I pray that it be a help, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, as far as we're concerned, if you were to talk about hedges, we only look at hedges as something like, you know, different shrubs and things that people would use. We use it as a decoration, you know, in front of the building. We have hedges. I don't know why, but they're just there, you know. They make, they, I guess they hide the lower part of the building. But in places like third world countries, a lot of homes uh, are, are, if you would, surrounded by hedges, uh, and the reason they are either walls or hedges that maybe are part of it, maybe even a wall along the front. I remember, now I know uh, Ireland isn't a third world country, but it seemed like when we were there, a lot of the homes in Ireland had a wall along the front, and then it wasn't unusual to see the yard kind of framed in uh, by various hedges, some very tall. In fact, I think that the uh, Perros had some that were just like, way up there, and he had a lot of fun climbing up a, a thing and cutting them and keeping them at least trimmed to a place that he could reach. Uh, but uh, hedges in those places are there for a reason. Uh, they are doing one of two things. They're either keeping perp uh, perpetrators out of evil, you know, criminals out, hopefully, uh, people that they don't want in, and then the other purpose of the hedges would be if they have an animal or if they have uh, if they have little kids or something to that, uh, to that effect, the hope is that the hedges are all close enough that it would keep uh, those inside. When God talks about the matter of instruction, it's interesting, but he uses the word which, which means a hedge, to put a hedge about instruction. That's what a Christian is supposed to do. You know, as I was thinking about that word, and I was thinking about how hedges are used, I thought to myself as I was as we were preparing or looking forward to tonight that a lot of times Christians, in regard to instruction, um, use hedges in one of two ways. Probably the same way that people would would uh, have them in their yard or in their in and along the edge of their house. Uh, some people, some Christians who don't want instruction, keep instruction out. They put a hedge, if you would, around their own life and say, leave me alone, I don't want to hear it. Others would want to keep instruction in. So they would, if you would, open the gate, allow instruction in, and then they close the gate because they want that instruction to be part of their life and they set a hedge about it. In Proverbs chapter 10 and in verse 17 uh, we read these words. He is in the way of life that keepeth, that is the word, puts a hedge about instruction. Interesting statement, isn't it? So that God says, if you want to be in the way of life, what you need to do, if, if we're going to use the analogy in the picture, and I love the word pictures that Solomon uses, of a hedge, 
in, in closing something and keeping it in. That's what God says you need to do with instruction. Receive it to yourself and then build a hedge about it and make sure it doesn't get out and keep it in because it's going to be a value and help to you. You're in the way of life when you do that. If you reject it, you're not. Now, that's just one truth of a number we're going to learn as we look at Roman numeral 2 in the outline, the work. Uh, we began last week as, uh, well, we started with, uh, uh, let me get back to that, the warnings. Don't despise it. Don't reject it. And we walked through Proverbs and saw don't hate it. Don't ignore it. Don't dismiss it. And then we began into the work last week, and we said the first thing is you're to do what according in the work? Okay, receive it willingly or take it willingly. Uh, and then did we give you the second one? No, well, shame on me. All right, Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. And in verse 8. Someone read that for me if you finally are getting there now. All right, so we should hear it carefully. I love that word. Solomon uses it a number of times, that word here, just as he uses the word instruction. 30 times out of the 50 times we find it in the Old Testament, it's found in the book of Proverbs. But this word here, uh, talked about and found throughout the book of Proverbs, is a word that means to listen intelligently. I know we've shared it a number of times, so we're not going to spend a lot of time focusing on it. But it's not just that someone listens to what be, is being said so they can repeat it. But the idea of instruction, what God wants us to do with instruction, is to listen to it and think about it and ponder it. A couple reasons why. First, because it may not be good instruction, and we, and we may need to put it aside and not follow it. But the other reason is because if we're going to follow it and we're going to do what God wants, we've got to think about it. It can't just be something that we, yeah, yeah, nod the head. I've heard that one a million times before. But we need to hear it intelligently, listening, thinking to what God has said. And that is the work. So I take it willingly. Sure, let me hear it. I would love to have instruction, whether that is correction, I'm not doing right, or whether that is instruction that this is the way I should go. I need to take it willingly. Then I need to hear it carefully. That's chapter 1 and verse 8. You can write down these references. Chapter 4 and verse 1 tells us the same, uses the same word. Chapter 4 and verse 1. Chapter 8 and verse 33 tell me to, tells me to hear it carefully. Chapter 15 and verse 32, listen intelligently. Four different times God tells me to ponder what it means and then learn to act upon it, which is the idea. If I'm going to listen intelligently, the idea is that I'm going to take it then once I've, once I've got some intelligence and I'm going to follow what it is there that I'm being instructed with. Go to chapter 4 now, if you would. Chapter 4. And look at the wording here in the first, uh, first part of the proverb. Take fast hold of instruction. And then what does God say in the next four words? Chapter 13. Chapter 4, verse 13. I'm sorry. I didn't tell you, did I? We were supposed to just, you're supposed to read my mind. What's wrong with you people? All right, so take fast hold of instruction. Don't let her go. Keep it. Keep her. Because she is your, she, for she is thy life. Um, this is a great one. Seize it aggressively. Seize it aggressively. 
Hey, look, if you were if you were on some ledge somewhere, couldn't get out, and you're you're just yelling for your dear life because you know you're not going to survive if someone doesn't come along, and someone hears that you have that you are on the side of a, of a cliff, you're on this ledge, you can't get out. Someone hears your cry, and they throw a rope over. Now, you know, you have some choices to make. You can just look at that rope and say, no way <laughs> am I going to trust the people above. Or you can take hold of the rope and trust them to pull you up. Or uh, trust your ability to climb up. But I'll tell you, if you take hold of that rope, you're going to be holding on. And you're going to be holding on for dear life if your life is on the line. And that is kind of the idea, that's kind of the mentality here when God says take hold of it, seize it, hold it aggressively like you would hold on to a rope. Like this is important to me. There's nothing more important in my life. Um, I, this, this is it. I am dependent on it and I am holding, holding on to it uh, for dear life. And that's what God wants me to do with instruction. All right, now, now we get to chapter 10 and verse 17, which you don't have to look up because we just read it. And God says to put a hedge about it. So do you get, see this, this idea? Again, it's, it's Solomon gives us like these word pictures. Take it willingly. I mean, almost everyone, you can hear it carefully, seize it aggressively, put a hedge about it. Look, if you would, uh, since we already looked at that at chapter 12. In verse 1, and what does God tell you to do with instruction there? What is the work that needs to be done? All right, I'm supposed to love it. So I'm supposed to take it to myself. All right, I'm supposed to seize hold of, uh, uh, on it. Uh, I need to put that hedge about it. I need to hear it carefully. Uh, all those things, and then I just need to, I need to love it. Um, Another word here, or this word is interesting because it means to have an affection for it. And the idea is I want it, I care about it, it's special to me. I, I, I treat it affectionately. And that, that kind of sounds strange, doesn't it? Um, especially if it's the, the corrective aspect. And if you look at verse 1, uh, it really seems to be that way because it says, He that hateth reproof is brutish. Remember, it's, He's, uh, I know, he's stupid. I, I, okay, that's not my word. That's the word that's found in the definition of British. He's just a stupid person who isn't willing to accept reproof. So if we understand the, the proverb as a whole, then it's dealing with this matter of correction. And God says to treat correction affectionately. And, and the only way you're going to be able to do that is if you see correction as something that it's going to ultimately benefit your life. So when someone says you're going the wrong direction, you're doing something that's wrong, you know, get out of that relationship. Here's, here's a young lady. Um, you know, get out of that relationship that you're in. It's not a good relationship or a young man. Uh, that girl is not good for you. All right, listen to it. Accept that affectionately because there's value in what's being said. Uh, but a lot of times you know what people do? They, they make a hedge about it and push it out, you know. So here's a young lady, and her, her girlfriends are saying, that guy's no good for you. And she'll say to them, well, you're just jealous. Putting a hedge about it, I don't want your correction. I don't want your instruction. Maybe some older people, some, her parents or others are coming to her and saying, 
just not a good relationship to be in. And she, you know, and she'll say, well, you don't want what's best for me. You don't know what's best for me. And so some people shut it out. But God says, hey, listen, what our attitude needs to be, I'm going to put a hedge about it. I'm going to receive it. But not only am I going to receive it, but I'm going to treat it affectionately because there is something in this for me. And I, I, the truth is we don't want to hear it. I don't want someone to tell me I'm wrong. I know that. I get that. And yet God tells me that this is what my attitude is supposed to be. I'm supposed to love it. So I have got to change my thinking about correction. I've got to change my thinking about when someone comes to me and says, I I don't agree with what's going on and something needs to change here. There's something wrong. Let's go to, uh, to one more, I believe, or two more there, aren't there? Or in letter F, look at chapter 23, chapter 23. And in verse 12, you're told to do what? Someone have it? Very good. Apply your heart to it. You need not only to give your ears to hear instruction, but you got to give your heart to it. Um, have you ever seen someone going through the motions of their job? All you got to do is go to a fast food restaurant, and you'll find people going just going through the motions of their job. You know, it's kind of like someone someone in the back. They're they're well, they don't even flip burgers anymore, do they? You know, they take them out of the microwave, uh, <laughs> sticking stuff in the microwave, hitting the button. You can tell people. You know, and, and what do you say about people like that? You know, the person at the counter takes your order. It's like, well, how are you? What do you want? You know, it's just like, oh, okay, all right. If you're, they're going through the motions. You can tell they have no interest in their job because they see it as a paycheck. And uh, you would describe them this way. Their heart isn't in it. Am I right? Isn't that how you do You know, it's obvious. Your heart is not in your job. Now, on the other side, you've seen employees with a smile on their face and enthusiasm about their work. And, and it's like, how could you even be enthusiastic about this job? And yet they're like, good to see you today. Can I take your order? And, uh, and, and you, what would you say about them? Their heart is really in their work. They're not just doing this for a paycheck. They got a, a right attitude about that. How come? How come it is that... that uh, gets all those kind of people, and McDonald's get all the other kind of people. I, I, don't, I don't know what it is, like a regular thing. I, well, there's something about the hiring. It's got to be. But uh, there's a, a different attitude. Now, you can take instruction that way, too. Yeah, all right. I heard you. Or where your heart really isn't in it, or you can... You can apply your heart to listen and eagerly take in what's given. And, um, and so I ask the question, what way do you take instruction? So the truth is you take it one of those two ways. Either your heart's in it or your heart isn't in it. I mean, you can't really fake that. Yeah, I, well, you can maybe. Maybe you can a little bit. But in, in most cases, it's going to end up showing whether your heart's really in something or not. And God says, put your heart in it. All around us, all around us, there's instruction coming to us. And God says, put your heart into hearing instruction, receiving instruction, so 
because because your life, here we go back to that subject, your life rests upon being one whose heart is in hearing what, what God has to say. Look at chapter 23, and in verse 23, God says, buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. So what is he saying? Well, he's saying, look, you buy wisdom and you don't sell it. You buy instruction, you don't sell it. You buy understanding, you don't sell it. Uh, I, I put it this way, procure it. I don't know why I put it that way. But you can put buy it, value it, however you want to put it is fine. The attitude here is one that says, I'm going to look for instruction, I'm going to listen to instruction, I'm going to live instruction, and I'm not going to let it go for any reason or any price. Do you remember that verse we looked at? I think it was last week. We talked about the value of it and value it, value it over even greater than obtaining gold. Now, this here is a step further. It's showing that you don't just understand its value. You understand it is more valuable than gold. But here, it's that you truly believe in its value. And because you believe in its value, you've taken hold of it, and you won't let it go for any price. You get that? I'm going to look for it. When I find it, I'm going to buy it. Wouldn't it be great if you could just buy instruction? I'm just going to buy instruction. And then if someone comes and says, I'll give you a million dollars for that instruction. Nope, don't want it. I just bought it. I just got it. This is important to me, and I'm going to keep it. I don't know about you, but I, I, I've, I've never looked at instruction those ways. And yet Solomon, in, in, with wisdom given him from God, took this matter of instruction, just put it throughout the book of Proverbs, and said, there's a way you need to think about God's instruction for your life and just instruction for life. So, so now we got the wrap-up. That sounds like the end of a, you know, a, what, a news broadcast. So we got our wrap-up here because I had to go with the W or the walk, however you want to put it, all right? The wrap-up or the walk. First thing, and this is kind of, uh, we're just summing everything. Well, we're wrapping everything up. Okay, be cognizant or aware of instruction all around you. Th that first aspect was, was really kind of interesting to see. That, um, you know, if someone is in the dark, it's because they choose to be in the dark. Because all around us, there's wisdom, there's... In instruction to be gleaned that can help us in life. I'm talking about just in, in practical aspects because Proverbs are about that. In practical areas of life, there's instruction to be received. And, uh, and in, in, um, in spiritual religious areas, as we would say, there's instruction to be received. It's, it's around us, both positive and negative. So be cognizant of, or aware of instruction all around you. Um, Secondly, letter B, be discerning with instruction. Because, or since so much rests upon it, be discerning with instruction. 
and here we go. We got these, these two sides given to us. Um, how many times do we hear, be receptive to good instruction? Be receptive to good instruction. That's a great majority of the Proverbs. And then you're not too far from there. Look at chapter 19 and verse 27. We already made that reference to this passage, but it's true and it's important. So what does God say? Not only be receptive to good instruction, but what? What do you find in verse 27 of chapter 19? Yeah, there, there is some instruction to close your ears to. Okay? It's instruction that takes you away from God's word and God's truth. So reject all bad instruction. Be receptive to good instruction. Reject all bad instruction. And, and finally... And this goes back to chapter 23. Look at chapter 23 again. And verse, uh, verse 12. And we'll read it one more time. Let's read it together. Would you join with me? Verse 12. Apply thine heart unto instruction and thine ears to the words of knowledge. Put your heart into it. Put your heart into it. A preacher was explaining chapter 23 and verse 12, and he shared a fact of history, and here's what he said. I thought this was interesting. In the 3rd and 4th centuries, Socrates and Greek scholars began to influence the church. And the influence they had upon the church, it was in ways that were different from Hebraic roots of the early church. Greek influence always appeals more to the intellect. The early church... Hebraic model appealed to the heart. Greek influence resulted in emphasis on oratory skills or a cognitive knowledge of God. I know God. I know things about God. I can quote scripture. I can tell you this verse for this thing. And I can tell you, I can direct you to this place for this truth. It's just facts and information. And he went on by saying, over many centuries, this influence has shown itself in a more pragmatic, programmatic, I'm sorry, programmatic approach to the gospel rather than a process of living out our faith. And he said, why do we need to know that? He went on, I realized in my own life I was a product of the Greek system that my walk with Christ focused more on what I knew than on an intimate and powerful walk with God. And by the way, I think sometimes fundamentalism goes there. And our Christianity becomes, all right, I know why I'm supposed to dress this way. I know what kind of music I'm supposed to listen to. I know a bunch of verses of scripture. I can win any contest when they tell me to, to quote the scripture. I can be the first one standing, and I can tell you exactly what the Bible says. And sometimes he says, that's what my life has become in many cases. And then he went on and he shared this proverb. He said, apply thine heart unto instruction. And, um, and he said, I have to work on making Christ, my, my relationship with Christ focus more, not on what I know, but on an intimate and powerful walk with him. And, um, and he had something wise to say. Um, 
look, big deal if you can quote every verse of scripture and you're familiar with every truth that's taught here if it if it isn't touching your heart and life. Big deal if you have all the answers. But when it comes to instruction, your heart isn't in it. And um, and maybe that Greek influence has, has been actually detrimental to Christianity. Now I know you have the groups that swing over to the other side and they're all experiential and it's all about feelings. And, and, and we can't abandon truth and just let feelings direct everything in life. There's, there, there's truth, but there's also feeling. And both need to come together and, and work in conjunction. We need to know the truth, instruction, but we need to, from the heart, follow it. And not just say, I'm okay because I have my hair cut a certain way and because I don't, I don't go to these places and I do these things, and so everything's fine in my life. Because if my heart isn't in it, then God isn't pleased. And um, in this matter of instruction, Solomon really does hit, hit us between the eyes. And, and he asks us the question, are you, are you listening? And, and not just are you listening to facts, but are you listening, are you listening from the heart? And is the, are the instructions of life having impact and making a change in your life and actions? Is your heart in? Are you listening? Do you even know what God has said? Do you care about what God has said? And have you put a hedge around it? Are you hearing it? Are you seizing it? Is it important to you? That's what God says we're supposed to do with instruction. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Hope you'll